Hey, what's up, guys? It's your girl, Victoria, and I am back with another episode of the V-List Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this episode is just a little late, but you know, hey, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> uh, still dealing with COVID-19, although some states have started to reopen and they're like doing their phases. I don't know what phase this is, phase one, maybe we're about to enter phase two. Who knows? Who cares? Everybody, please wear a mask and stay safe. That's the point. Um Hopefully it'll be over before we know it, but I don't know. It lasted a little bit longer than we expected, I think. Um, but nevertheless, being in the middle of this global pandemic, we actually are fighting two <laughs> pandemics. One of them in America, it's it's been a pandemic that, you know, was here since the founding of America, unfortunately. Um, and that is the pandemic of racism. We have had a flare-up, you know, it was every, every so often we have flare-ups of this ugly disease of racism. And, um, unfortunately there are a lot of people in this country who are immune to racism and, uh, or they think that they're immune to racism. Um, but until something happens and we have a flare-up, then it causes and sparks all these movements. And so that's kind of where we are now. We, we are fighting this other pandemic, this global pandemic of racism. And what sparked it was the killing, the very national killing of George Floyd. And um, of course, there were killings before that. We had, you know, Ahmaud Arbery, who was killed by civilians. We had Breonna Taylor, who was killed by police. And George Floyd was also killed by police, but his was a little different. He wasn't just shot by police. He was strangled, murdered. He was brutally and evilly murdered in the streets of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the world watched for almost 10 minutes as he was murdered. And that sparked, I guess you could say unrest. It basically just kind of stirred up the pot of racism. And so now here we are in the middle of a a movement to um, overthrow a lot of these systematic oppression and systematic racists uh, policies and ideologies that America has been founded on. And it's, it's a tough, it's a tough fight. You know, it's a tough disease to fight, but we are in the middle of that. And so because of that, because of all the unrest that was sparked, because of all the movements that were sparked, we, um, I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine, Nia Watenza, and, uh, we were just talking about like activism and what that looks like, you know, because people have so much to say about, who is an activist and and how to become an activist and what that looks like and what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing. And, you know, I think the point is that we're all activists, you know, being black in America is a form of activism because activism is really just like speaking out and speaking up against the status quo. It's going against the grain. It's, it's calling those things out that should be called out. And when you're black in America, you are an activist because any room you go into for the most part or any company that you associate yourself with or uh, any, you know, wherever you work, like typically we're, we're very few there. You know, there's very few of us there. So us just showing up is a form of activism because we're kind of breaking up the status quo. So not just thinking of it like, well, just because you're black doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're fighting racism. Right. Yeah, we got to fight racism every day, but we also need allies um, and we, which we've gained a lot more of through this uprising or flare up of this disease, fortunately. Um, 
but I think a lot of people are still wondering how they can be an activist or how they can help. And so we have a conversation about that. So that's what you're going to hear um, in this next segment is our conversation around activism and what that looks like. And um, you can follow Nia on the on IG. She has a, a, a video podcast called The Black Devation Project. Um, but Nia and I have known each other for a really long time. She's a really good friend and um, I love our conversations. So without further ado, here is our conversation. All right, guys, welcome back to the V-List podcast, and I am your host, Victoria. You guys know me, and I'm actually having a conversation with my good, good friend, Nia Watenza. So, Nia, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell the people who you are, where you are, you know, what you do. Hello, everyone. Yes, my name is Nia Watenza, and um, who I am, what I am, what I what I do, I, I'm a marketer by trade, um, sales. I've been in sales by trade. Um, I'm currently working as an independent consultant, but um, I am also what I would consider myself to be as a self-proclaimed activist, which is what we're going to talk about today is, you know, how you can become more of an activist in your own life. Absolutely. um, Whether or not on platforms, big or small. Absolutely. I'm currently in New York City, but of course, Vic and I, Victoria and I met in Ohio, so I'm a Midwest girl living an East Coast life. Right. (laughs) O-H. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's the thing uh everywhere we go um for sure yeah we were having this conversation about we were having this conversa- conversation a few days ago first of all i feel like you and i always have conversations that are end up being like super deep but at the same time they're like yes like we just kind of i don't know we're all like slightly on the same wavelength when it comes to thought yeah. patterns on some things and i i can appreciate that about you because you know obviously i love to talk um <laughs> it's the reason why i have to be this podcast but i love having conversations with people who you know have a thought process about something even if it's not the same as mine it's just like i love you know that's how you learn um mm-hmm. because like we mentioned before talk, we were talking about earlier you know i kind of have a little bit of adult add myself so sometimes reading i may not be able to comp comprehend or grasp all the concepts of a book or a passage by just reading it so talking through things is what really helps me to understand and get a better grasp on things so i appreciate you having this combo with me today on the v list um i agree with everything you said and i appreciate you having me here oh of course of course um so one of the things okay i want to start with this because you know i'm a beyonce stan okay Always, listen, always have been, but I, you know, it's not one of those types of things that like, I don't, you know, I love Beyonce and I do, I will, you know, protect her from the wiles of people who try to come for her, you know, for no reason, for no reason. Like Beyonce lately, or to me, hasn't done anything to cause people to come for her. Right. So anyway, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Beyonce stan, but I just thought I'd put that out there that I am a Beyonce stan, which you know, but I did think that her most recent um black parade i don't know if you've listened to it i listened to it last night yes so i was listening to it and i was just like okay i feel what she's saying you know and i i think a lot of times maybe it's just because it's the virgo in me like i can relate to a lot of the thought processes and things that she like themes i guess that she reverberates in her songs or her music and her work um but one of the quotes that she had posted on her website um kind of stuck with me and i actually posted it on my facebook but it said being black 
is your activism. Okay. Black excellence is a form of protest. And black joy, joy is, is your right. right. And yes. I was like, <laughs> yes. And and the reason why that particular statement stuck with me is because not only have we been having the conversation about being an activist and like different ways to do that, but also like um, on Juneteenth, you know, you have your people, you know, you got your hoteps or whatever who want to be like, oh, y'all just now celebrating that, 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 you know, trying to come for people. But I had been having some conversations with other people, like friends and stuff who were like, you know, I just don't feel right celebrating this year. Like I'm not in a joyous place. And I had to remind them like, you know, everything that we've ever gone through, everything we've ever done, you know, everything we've ever suffered, we've always still found a way to celebrate and that's something that black people that's what we're known for like yeah we can throw a hell of a party because we will find joy in the midst of pain in the midst of struggle in the midst of suffering we will always find a way to celebrate and so you know even if people because the comment was made well you know I just don't want people to pull up for the cookout when they haven't pulled up for the fight and I'm like but in which way yeah you know what I mean like (laughs) you know what I mean so like what are your thoughts on that like what you know because so much to unpack there i would first of all challenge anybody who has said that to go back and watch binge watch good times for a whole day because i think that 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 just if you've ever just sat i just started watching good times like maybe a couple years ago and even just the you know the 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 title of the show the theme song we're singing so joyously about temporary layoffs wow easy credit ripoff wow i mean the thing good times like you know what I mean like even the the whole (laughs) dichotomy and like just the theme song and then when you watch a show they're always tackling an issue but then they're always coming together as a family and they're always coming together and laughing and I just feel like that is what allows black people to survive is that we can fight we can endure but then we can also go back and enjoy and is that not the human experience like we would be in such a state of mental disarray if every time something bad happened to us in America, we just stiffened up and just only put our fist up in the air and got, you know, really angry and militant. No, you have to have a balance in life. And yes. that's, that balance is what has helped us survive. And that balance is what's helped us move forward. I think there's something else you hit on that was really key, which is when do you get into the movement? Mm-hmm. It's never too soon or too early. It's when you're, it's in your journey. And so this whole notion that like, okay, people have, not been showing up to the fight but have been showing up to the cookout maybe at the cookout is when you can help them to learn exactly. about the fight exactly <laughs> i said that same <laughs> thing <laughs> exactly i said that same thing i said let's not i said every opportunity is it is a chance every chance that we get to celebrate or whatever get together is an opportunity to educate and to inform you know so the people who ain't pulled up to the fight if they pull up to the cookout use it as an opportunity to be like look this is what we collectively need to do now that i have you here or whatever i ain't saying you gotta i'm not saying you gotta turn it into like a you know buzzkill situation but still it, it's like understand why you do what you do like why are you why we're celebrating today why this is important and not that i don't think people don't understand but i think it also like it, it also will kind of people understand right but it'll also like kind of trigger something in them to think of ways that they can pull up to the quote-unquote fight you know yep. it ain't yep. just always marching and parading like i said i wanted to go to a couple of the marches honestly i have wanted to be out there but then i'm like uh coronavirus (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely you're spot on 
And I think that, that that's what I wanted to, you know, talk about. We were, of course, we're talking, um, you know, this week about this, but just all the different ways that you can, should, and will become an activist when you really do lean into black issues. So black issues are so vast, so, 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 so mm-hmm. vast. To be black in America, and, and actually in most parts of the world, means to have had every aspect of your human rights attacked. Yes. And every aspect of that covered up. So, you know, first of all, our history has been attacked. It's been rewritten since the uh, strategy for colonizing, ransacking, enslaving continental black people has been in play. So since the 1400s, we've been uh, repositioned in society as apes and these people that are uncivilized. And so our history, not even just American history, black history in general general. has been attacked. Um, And, you know, I'll talk about in black culture. I mean, our basic human rights, our voting rights, our housing rights, our jobs rights, our rights to families, um, our educational rights, our ability to participate in politics and policy. All of these things have been attacked. Our rights to have leaders, everything has been attacked when you are Black. It absolutely has. To have this notion that we have to have, first of all, a singular ideology about what the fight is, Mm. for one, is problematic. There are so many fights. As something to fight every day, yeah. Um, or how people should be showing up to fight is to me asinine. Um, hmm. Everybody has a different way that you can do your part, and like you said, Vic, sometimes it's just to each one teach one. Yeah. Sometimes it is going out into the masses, but it can look so different for so different people. Yeah. Even like the, you know, uh, like the whole theme about people like the black dollar and how much power we actually have with that and in that and like if people understood their power that it's it's bigger than just their voice it's bigger than just their you know which is part of the reason why like I kind of get annoyed and I will I will say that I get a little bit annoyed like when I do see like people at marches or people who out on who are out on the quote-unquote front lines right um and and they get into like these arguments with racist or white supremacists like arguing is not that okay what is that doing like it's not doing anything you're not changing anyone's mindset with that and yeah you're loud you might be loud and upset and I'm not saying you're not right you don't have a right to be upset or triggered by some things that they may say or even do but it's like how is this helping like there was this uh a, a, a situation in Ohio actually like I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday where Um, There were some, you know, a a white supremacist group or just a group of Trump supporters who had gone down to um, downtown Columbus and they were trying to wash the the Black Lives Matter thing, uh, like mural off the sidewalk that someone had painted. And so they're scrubbing, but they were only scrubbing the word black off because their point was all lives matter. Of course, that's their argument, right? But like the people who were there, you know, I get it. It was offensive to them because they had just done this mural and then it's like, oh, you're really trying to erase us? Like you're only erasing the black portion? But like the young man who had gone live, he was just like yelling and screaming and and cursing and and they, you know, because the guys were armed and, you know, he's, it's like, to me, it was just like the tensions were getting escalated. They were getting high. And I just, I was just like, why are we arguing with him? Why are you guys arguing? arguing with him at the end of the day it's a mural he's erasing it 
okay yes that's offensive but like sitting here arguing with him and fussing about that is not where you how you use your power that is not like granted i'm glad that you guys were out there marching and protesting and you know that you were trying to stand up for something and you feel like that's a way that you can contribute but there are so many other ways that you can contribute to the fight you know what i mean yeah yeah i do and i agree and at the same time disagree with what you're saying okay so i agree with you in that i think that you know sometimes we have to think about what is the most effective use of our voice mm-hmm. um you know how and, and i'm, I'm I, and i say that because i actually am on both sides of the spectrum all the time yeah there are times that i can be very politically correct and i can temper myself to stay on target with whatever the strategy is mm-hmm. and realize whether or not it's a white supremacist or if it's a black person and just don't get it you know, like sometimes it's just not worth the energy in the fight. Yeah. And then there's other times when we are allowed to be human beings. Yes. We are allowed yeah. when we are in a human situation where we're under attack and arrest, where someone is coming at and physically attacking something we've done, whether or not it's our, our own bodies, whether or not it's our ideology, whether or not it's a mural that we created, where they're attacking that and we're allowed to be angry. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. we're allowed to be able to allow, allow that emotion out. And sometimes for me, I, I, there are moments when I'm like, I need to find somebody that I'm like, okay, this may not be on the strategy, but I'm I'm okay with letting it go right now because I got to get this out. And if mm-hmm. I don't let it out on this person, True. I might let it out on a close friend or someone else because I just can't let it out. So I think that we also have to allow ourselves to, and this may be um, Virgo-like, but allow ourselves to not be perfect all the time. No, and no. I'm just saying that because that's <laughs> such a Virgo, like the Virgo perfectionist. You know, I am I'm not, not a perfectionist. <laughs> I just, I just say, that's what, when you look at Virgo, that's what they say. Virgos are like the, the, the perfectionists. Yeah, that's yeah, well, is. that's arguable as well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that it did. No, I know, I, I know, I know. You know what I mean? But like, but we don't have to always uh, need to be perfect. Be you know, like, no, I get it. We're just going to be human. And it may not make sense, but it may just be a human reaction. And we should be able to forgive ourselves for that. You're absolutely right. And I, and, and. You know, thank you for saying that because I am one who who believes in feeling all of your emotions, whatever they are, anger, sadness, happiness, because I, I I've even said this on a previous episode of, of Vlist is that, you know, all every emotion or every feeling that you have is fleeting. There's nothing that's permanent. Happiness isn't permanent. Joy isn't permanent. Sadness isn't permanent. Uh, anger isn't permanent. None of those things are permanent. Like you may have them reoccurring more than the other another emotion, but at some point it fleets. So you know you're absolutely right in that. Yes, they should. We should be allowed to express our anger and our frustration and our disdain for the disrespect that sometimes that we are most often subjected to. Um, so you're you're right for that. So I appreciate that. I think it just for me sometimes I feel like what's next after that yeah you know no, I, mean? and I totally i totally agree with you on that and i think that sometimes um all of it has a place in what's next and and, and i'll explain what i mean by that um i think that it's almost like i'm trying to think of a good analogy but um okay you you worked in corporate america you worked in hr right at one point i work I, yeah i currently do i'm in a like you're my, currently HR. yeah yeah so you know how, like, in corporate America, everything is supposed to be so politically correct. You're supposed to, like, go to people and be very calm in your words and your actions. And then sometimes there's that one person that just will flip out. Flip out. Mm-hmm. Go off. Act a fool. Mm-hmm. And the squeaky wheel sometimes gets the oil. True. Where I, and I, I'm not going to say I've been in a situation where I've just gone off, but I have been in a situation where I've been calmly, quietly, in a very practical and PC way saying things. 
and people aren't hearing it. And sometimes it does take that extreme reaction before people say, oh, wait a second. Oh, Houston, we have a problem. We need to get this under control. You're right. And so that's where I don't, you know, I try to temper myself, but I'm not angry at anybody who has actually let their emotions hang out because that is a part of the movement as well. I actually do believe the fact that a lot of the, the looting and the rioting and people burning down police precincts and th- things like that that have happened, I'm not saying that I actually think that I will go out and charge a group of people to do it. But I understand the emotion behind it. Yeah. And now that it's done, it's getting a lot of people's attention because they're You're like, right. okay, these people have knelt on one knee. You're right. They have been peaceful. They've been calm. They've done all these things. Now they're fed up. Like, yeah. we, all right, let's pull ourselves together. So I think that as much as we may not like to see it and, it's, and it's, we can have all the arguments about how it could be damaging, I think it is a part of helping us to have a platform to have a dialogue for what's next. No, I agree. I think that those, th- those actions... Uh, are definitely attention grabbers regardless mm-hmm. of who's doing mm-hmm. it regardless of who's doing it it is definitely an attention grabber it's like you, when, when, because it's happening that's when we have to figure out okay why did this happen and what can we do I guess to prevent it in the future because the yep. fact that it's happening there's a reason for it it's not just that they're just burning shit down for no reason like uh-huh. no it's happening because of a deeper deep rooted issue that this country has or that whoever whoever is doing the looting or the burning they have a a a concern or an issue obviously it's not they wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't something wrong right Uh yeah no i agree with that you're right so yeah but um but no it's it's such a good question you ask about the like what's next and you know where do we go from here because that's something that i feel like so many of my friends you and i have had these dialogue i mean you know i I have friends that I have from like all these different walks of life. So I've lived in the Midwest. I've lived abroad. I've lived in the East Coast. And all the friends that I've gathered along the way, no matter who you are, where you come from, even allies, everybody wants to know like, what is, what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is an interesting question because we don't know. Like, I feel like we've gotten to a point within our society. And I think we see this with coronavirus when there is a problem that we're trying to tackle. We're so used to having the solutions. Mm-hmm. We're kind of used in general, like we're even this Google culture, like you can kind of Google the facts and try to figure out like, oh, what's the next step of this? How do you do this? How do I put together? Yeah. How do I, let me pull up this YouTube tutorial to figure out how to put this together or do that. Like we are just this information overload society that expects to have all the answers. And then we actually kind of get paralyzed when something is happening that we don't have the answers for. Hmm. And then we start, stop, start forgetting that at what point in time there were no answers and we had to figure it out yeah yeah (laughs) so i think that that is what's next is figuring it out but i think where figuring out starts is to figuring out the solution really starts at really getting to the heart of the problem right and what is really happening that needs to be overcome and i think that's where we're about to get overwhelmed Mm. truly truly overwhelmed because police brutality in this country and black people, men and women and trans and whomever being shot in the streets or, or people being brutalized, that is not new. No. And that is also just the tip of the iceberg just the tip. for all the deeper problems yes. that we have in America. Yes. Which is why I think that when you peel back the layers of what a, a, a statement that is simplified to the level of um, defund the police, mm. when you actually look at what they're saying is they're saying a lot of things. They're saying police brutality... Um, is one of the problems, but mm-hmm. it's rooted in racism. Yes. And it's furthermore rooted in lack of opportunity for um, young black youth and, and lack of funding and education in some of these communities. And it's further rooted in lack of mental health support and supplies 
uh, for de-escalating mental health issues, and it's further rooted in all these other yes, things. Yes. So how can we shift funding to that? So when we say what's next, I think we have to really, really ask ourselves, like, what are we really trying to achieve here? Like, are we just trying to get cops to stop killing black people and stop seeing these videos? Or are we really trying to uproot the real problem? The system deeper systemic racism in yes. america and i think that I, i'm 100% i i agree with that statement it's like what is the real issue because when you even look at the way that police systems the police system was formed like it was not designed for with black people in mind at all it was it was actually just another form of slavery uh, it was yeah. pe- pe- what did they call it peonage peonage i think it's co- how you pronounce it peonage where like yeah the slaves were free but you know you can only keep someone captive if they've committed a crime well then they started making everything a crime you know like <laughs> everything that you know black people would do naturally oh that's now considered a crime so you're gonna have to pay pinage for that you know whether it's you know slave labor well that that's what they do that's what they uh peonage is the term for how they use um prisoners for labor so when they they basically are saying like yeah you can't you can be a slave if you're a criminal if we can uh-huh. make you a slave and you're gonna uh-huh. work uh-huh. you're gonna wake work for uh peonage or, or or pay off this debt to society or whatever because you are a criminal so you're gonna have to work it off and we don't have to pay uh-huh. you for that i mean so and then with police systems like policing even like the deep south like when they were uh recruiting police officers like to first form these unions and first form these forces these people were not educated they weren't they were literally just like Joe Blow down the street, you know, who would, who, you know, was 18 years old and, and probably didn't even have an education, but they're like, Hey, we need you to patrol. We need you to, you know, patrol the streets or be, you know, come help keep order. Like yeah. the, the whole the new overseers. Yes. Basically the new overseers. And, and granted it's like, I, yes, I do have a certain respect for the police, but I also feel like the police have way too much power and it's not necessarily their fault. Uh-huh. Because the society, like, we call the police. When we think about the things we call the police for, and I'm, I'm like, friends with a few officers. I have some, you know, some guy friends who are, who are police officers. But, like, just talking about some of the different calls that they get, like, it's absurd. People call the police for the dumbest non-criminal activity. And it's like, okay, well, what do you want us to do? So, at this point, when the police are called out for something as dumb as, like, one guy told me they get calls where sometimes where like a husband will be like my wife won't have sex with me <laughs> like okay so what do you want us to do you want to you want us to hold her down why you do it like what the fuck like why are you calling the police for that or like calling the police for like one guy called the police because his grandson was watching malcolm x movies in his house and he said this is a christian house and this is not allowed in my house and he need y'all need to come get him like that's not a criminal act why are we calling the police for things that are non-criminal you know even like animal stuff like oh there's a snake in my house that's not a criminal act call animal, animal control like why are we calling the police for these things like we need to like that's an issue too like we need to like take away some of the responsibilities i guess you could say that are put on the police so that they're not being caught out for this dumb shit that's non-criminal even some stupid i understand that there are traffic laws but sometimes there are dumbass traffic laws like okay if somebody runs a red light if they if they ask get smashed in the intersection that's their damn fault for running the red light but do do we have to like i mean i get there's like suggestions and laws for people who run red lights like yo you shouldn't run a red light like safety rules but i'm saying is that really a criminal act 
or was it just like, like <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You rolled through a stop sign. Is that a criminal act? Like, or yeah. are you, you, were you cautious and saw that there were no cars coming? Because obviously if you able to pull me over for running a stop sign, I didn't cause an accident. Because <laughs> you can pull Very me over. true. So, I mean, for sure. Like you said, I, I totally have respect for that job. Like that is not a job. Right. Some jobs I'm just not built for. Like no. I'm not built for that job. You know, for the people that are and that truly, truly are built for it, much respect. My cousin's a police officer. I have, you know, of course we all can just, right. almost like how when people be like, I have a black friend. Like we right. all can say that we know a police officer. <laughs> we want to, you know, show right. them some respect right now. Right. But um, <laughs> it's a great, you know, it's, it's a very hard job. But like you said, I think that there are ways that we, we need to rethink. I personally think we need to rethink every aspect of the way that this uh, country is structured. Because yeah. like you said, we are, you know, 911 was kind of simplified. The, I remember when it used to be a longer number. Do you remember that? Like Yeah, it was like an actual, yeah. like it was Everybody had like their local numbers. And yes. then it became like 911. And it became like, kind of like, you know, the, the number that everybody stuck in their head, like having any kind of emergency, call 911. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that that's sometimes too about re-educating the community also about making sure that there's consequences like america in general like americans love to be you know, when i usually I'm, I'm more so talking about like white american culture yes. because we know we're not free but you know right. love to be free like oh you're taking away my freedom no sometimes we need to have certain things imposed on us like for example maybe we need to be more educated about these different places to call and yes. to have more consequences when you do something like yes. that, like if you're calling the police and bogging up this very important line with something as silly as my son is watching Malcolm X, right. then that, maybe you should be fine for that. Maybe yes. first let's be educated about what you should be doing and, ha- and how you handle um, these situations. And I'm not even going to get on Amy Cooper. I think that's a no-brainer. I think that if you're calling Ooh. someone and falsely accusing them of something, Absolutely. then certainly if perjury can be an uh, issue in the courts uh, that you could be uh, you know, criminalized for, then why can't you have any type of repercussion against you when you're calling and creating false reports mm-hmm. with police, the police system. So Same I think bit. we should be able to educate ourselves more about what we call the police for, mm-hmm. what other boroughs are for some of these other emergencies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what those numbers are, or even maybe if there is a triage, maybe this exists already, but how can we make sure that we're better triaging these calls so it's yeah. not only being burdened by the police department but i also kind of want to go back to the original point of what you were like what you started talking about um in, in this issue of how policing developed yes and you know how the whole criminal justice system developed as being another way to you know shepherd black people into a system um that is very problematic and it goes be again police brutality is the tip of the iceberg with that. Product. um but this whole idea of like over criminalizing black people as a way to um, force them back into ownership and to strip them again from rights. Because again, once you you know have certain offenses and once you've served time, you don't have voting rights. So mm-hmm. now this, these are people that can't vote. Or just in general, I'm going to kind of slightly jump topics, but just the way that we're even criminalized in the media and how mm. that's been a problem from inception. So mm-hmm. I think that one of the things we have to start tackling too is like when you turn on your nightly news, hmm. it baffles me, Victoria. Like you travel for work. I know I've traveled for work. So we've gone around to these little local yeah. cities. Any city that you're in, Any you city. turn on your nightly local news, you see who is robbed the local store. Mm-hmm. And it's always an image of a black or brown person. The reason that that is so problematic is because those stats are just simply off. That should be a crime. The fact that we are so often in every city being depicted in the media um, by the local news as being the criminals. When you actually scratch the surface and color change it a... 
did research on this where they actually looked at certain and this is in new york city of all places hmm. they looked at like the different um uh, local news channels and looked at the amount of uh crime that they were showing uh and, and the 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 race of the criminals and it was over indexed that they would show black and brown criminals of course and in, you know in, in higher popula- higher percentages than the actual crime was being presented they actually were under indexed and showing the, the same share of white criminals so that in its sense it kind of goes hand in hand with the policing problem mm-hmm. the fact that anybody who doesn't know black people because we're not everywhere no in this country mm-hmm. you don't know a black person and you turn on the tv and you're always seeing that Them they're being the criminals. You know, part of the problem that they're criminals then you can easily support that this police brutality is justified so those are things that we can be radical about like if you are someone who is into your nightly, nightly news send them a letter like asking them for stats yes ask them for the stats of, of the local crime i and love that if the local crime of, of whites and blacks is disproportionate to the amount of crime criminals that or who is who is being the criminal on tv then that's a problem that's something that you could do and that also goes back to the inception of policing and and like the fact that the movie the birth of a nation was you know released nationally in what was it late 1800s early 1900s mm-hmm. depicting um that was the original movie that depicted like black people as rapists a black man in blackface hmm. as a rapist and a criminal and actually the president at the time got behind this and had a showing in the white house and you know that that kind of goes back to how this country has been founded that on conditioning. the media it's a conditioning. showing conditioning black yes. people as the criminals so we need to attack them we need to make sure the police are are attacking them or putting them in their place mm-hmm. but again and until we unravel the media that's just one thing that is a part of the solution yeah no i love that you said that because basically if we were to term that we could call like because because we're we're talking about different forms of activism right different ways to join the fight or pull up you know as rihanna said you know like pull up and they love to say that in the dmv that's definitely a that's a dc term hey pull up that whether you pulling up for the party or the cookout or the fight pull up but it's like one way to pull up is do media activism i love that if that's if that's like the lane that you're in you know uh reaching out to those different outlets or the the news sources and kind of challenging the stories that they're putting out making sure that they are factual or just not just one-sided and i mean i forgot what i i saw someplace before what the the acronym news actually like stood for i can't remember what it stood for but I forgot what I forgot what it stood for, but it was like, yeah, like the whole reason why news was designed or media was designed was to keep people like kind of afraid, like <laughs> to keep you afraid. And so they play off of the that whole, um, you know, thing that, you know, black and brown people are dangerous or that we're, you know, that it, it was it's, it's nothing. It was designed for us, which is why we need our own, which is why we need our own media outlets, which is why we need our own, you know, businesses, our own uh, you know, the Black Panthers were, I guess you could consider like the community activists who, you know, they, they policed their communities. You know what I mean? Like we do need our own stuff because America, like, like you were saying before, if we start to try to like really, really get to the root of the issue, like we're talking about dismantling an entire system, the way it was set up, uh-huh. an entire country and the entire origin of this country is racist period Uh so (laughs) like there's no questions about it like even with like the the taking down of all these statues and stuff it's like 
why are that like you have to ask yourself why are there statues of people who have raped and pillaged and and killed people why is that being celebrated when and there's not statues of like you know good like good things to celebrate like that that should tell you this country is a freaking racist country Uh so Uh we have to like i think having our own like Yes, I'm I'm all for like, you know, investing in black communities and and you know, investing in black businesses, but like we really need to build our own again. And I get it that we've had our own before and they always it always got dismantled or destroyed like, you know, Seneca Village or uh the Tulsa, you know, massacre. Like, yes, they find a way to basically dismantle us. But why do you think that is? Because again, there's power in our collectivism. There's power in our money. There's power in our own thought. And they know that. And so, but we have to constantly we have to just keep fighting in those different ways, setting up these businesses, uh, keep doing those things. And, and, and our allies can help with that because the more allies we get, it's like they start to get it and they realize like, it'll be, it'll be harder to dismantle if we do have allies. So people who are like, you know, Oh, well, no, this is black only. And you know, like I, I saw a question even about black bone businesses and they were like, well, should we just hire black people? Or should we hire others? I say hire others because they are, they're still helping the cause. They're still helping the system. You know what I'm saying? If it's a black owned business, it's still, you know, the, the, the purpose of that is to establish our own. It's not saying we can't hire other people, but they're helping the cause. Like we, that's a part of dismantling the overall racist system that we live in. So yeah, establish it as a black business owner, but don't just leave it to us, you know, to, cause we need their dollars too. Hell, our dollars uh-huh. support their businesses. We need their dollars uh-huh. too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So like, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about like different ways of like, like you said, like activism. Like I love the media activism. There's the, the money activism, like where you put your uh-huh. money, where you put your effort, your time. Um, yeah. You know, then there's obviously the protesting. You can do that, you know, yeah. make your voice heard. Can I, can I, I want to comment on what you're saying yeah, for yeah. a second about like the, um, like black empowerment and building building our own as well so i think that that is also something where my thought and i love that and i i probably seem fluffy because i love it all right like i think that that is really um i probably seem like i don't stick to a stance but i think that it's important like in this country um i think the best time for us to have actually established a black national movement was like right after slavery i mean that was when you saw like communities like tulsa come together create a black wall street and they were ball and they were doing their thing i mean the one thing again that has been attacked is black success yeah anytime you saw these communities come together they were attacked they were torn down and i'm not saying that that doesn't mean we shouldn't keep trying right but the reality is, is especially when you're like in the united states we are integrated society mm-hmm. at this point somewhat um and so i think it's it's fair for the folks like if you want if your life mission right now is to go develop a black owned business i'm 100 behind you yes but um I also think it's important for us to support those who are working in a corporation where you may be the only black person or, you know, working in in different environments where maybe, maybe your calling is not to go, you know, create a black owned business. And I think that that's fine. Like those who are, I support black owned businesses. I know you do. Um, and I love it. Um, but there's a lot of people that aren't ready to make that move right away. Right. And so how do we also make sure that we support them where they are? Um, I, in my past life, worked in the pharmaceutical industry, which is, you know, overwhelmingly healthcare in general, um, overwhelmingly non-diverse. Yeah. I mean, yes, Merck has a black CEO, but other than that, like, it's really not very diverse at all. Um, and I think it's important sometimes for us to also 
be in those spaces where until we do have our own things, we can really influence what's happening um, in some of these other sectors where we do have to depend on America as a part of being minorities. Hmm. Um, healthcare is one of them. Um, my platform was also always, let's make sure that we understand the perspective of the black person in healthcare. Mm. Um, so, you know, it, I think that there can be movements to say, let's create our own hospitals, and our own systems as well. But also there can be movements to say, if you are in these structures, how can you be an activist within those structures too? Mm. Um, and that, that, I think that is important. So, you know, a lot of the work that I dedicated myself to um, when I was working in the pharmaceutical industry was being a, part, a leader of our like black affinity group. You know, a lot of companies have these, essentially yes. these, these these uh, special interest groups, BRGs, Mm -hmm. within their organizations that will tackle any given issue or interest. And I think that that's important. If you're working in a corporation or working in an environment to have a safe space to be able to bring people together, to have those dialogues, that can be very influential. Because we have been marginalized out of these power constructs that are corporate America or that are um, you know, different uh, uh, economic organizations. And so, so sometimes the big miss is not having somebody behind closed doors to mm-hmm. be able to say, hey, look, this is how we more appropriately target this community or uh, provide products for this community. Um, and to be able to really empower folks right where they are in within their organization, where they work, if they choose not to be a part of a Black-owned business, I think is, is equally important. Um, and then not only that, I think we could, we could create our own while we still put pressure on them yes. as well. I agree. You know, like I, I think we could we can do it all. If it is if it is your interest to create your own, do that. But also, if it's your interest to say where we are integrated or where there is effect on what uh, a larger contract of America has on the rest of us, let's try to make sure that we're bucking that system. Do mm-hmm. that too. Um, but I think all of these things have to come together and work. You know, like we can't subscribe to one individual ideology because I say yes to all of them. Yeah. And there's another, there's 42 million black people in America, according to the 2010 census, I believe. Um, so we can spread our ideology across a lot of different ideas. Yeah. Um, we are not a monolith. We are different classes. We're different backgrounds. We're different religions. So I also think that we need to be careful about feeling like we need to all come to the same idea about yeah. how we approach this. True. Um, and I'm not by any means saying that that's what you were implying. No, no. no um, I hear, because I, I know that you were throwing out another example. Yeah. But, um, but, the, but again, as it relates to the conversations as people come to the cookout or not come to the cookout or pulling up or not pulling up, a lot of people are pulling up to different issues. And mm. sometimes we as black people are like, why are they doing this? Well, if they're doing what's in their lane, so be happy that they're they're tackling the fight from that exactly. angle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There that that's I think that's the whole point. It's like there are so many like you said there's so many layers to this and because there are so many layers to dismantling this this very layered and complicated system, there are so many ways to help dismantle it. There are many uh-huh. different ways to be an activist, you know? Um, and that's why, I, I think that's why, again, I, I, I love the quote Beyonce said was, you know, being black is your activism. Uh-huh. Like, that is your activism. So use that. Like, the fact that you are in are black and in corporate America and are maybe the only one in the room, that's, that, that is activism. So how are you gonna uh-huh. use that? Like, basically, how are you gonna parade that? You know, uh-huh. like, how are you going to parade your blackness? And, 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 and then if you do it in excellence, whatever you're doing, if you're doing it in excellence, that's protesting because they have an idea uh-huh. automatically about how black people perform, how black people are going to act, 
how black people are going to, um, you know, respond to certain things or, or, or whatever. So they already have an ideology about you even just being there. It's like, okay, yeah, she's black. Oh, oh, look, we're diverse. We have a black person, but they don't have very high expectations of you. So you coming in and being a leader and being a ruler and, and performing and doing things in excellence, that's protest. That's like bucking the system. Like you said, it's like, I 100% agree with you. Like, um, yeah, because I was absolutely just throwing out different, like, different ways yeah, that we can, like, sure. dismantle this. But I 100% agree with you. Is like, everybody is not meant to be an entrepreneur or run a company um, because that's a whole nother topic. First of all, like, uh, <laughs> I, that that's a whole nother topic. Like, I talked about that, too, just on a tweet that somebody had posted, like, people out here, you know, in college calling themselves moguls and CEOs and whatnot. And it's like, you ain't even done with business school. Like, chill out. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't a CEO or what? Like, okay, you know, people love titles to make themselves feel and sound important, you know, but even that whole entrepreneurship, no, it's not for everyone. Like every, I, you know, I can have a business or a side business or whatever. And whether you want to turn me an entrepreneur or not, I don't consider myself an entrepreneur. You know, I just feel like I have a, a skill that I can market and sell or trade. And, and that in itself is, is doing that. It's not, it does not make me an entrepreneur. So I 100% agree with you. Like, I feel like I do have a place in you know corporate america because i know how i can impact you know where i am you know in these hr systems or like i'm in organizational development and i've shared with you you know some of the stuff i've had to you know even with like the email that you know people that they send out and you know even just like being on these calls even with everything that's been going on lately you know being on calls and my company they host these like these listening sessions or these venting sessions you know and i i can't tell you how many my inbox was full with people thanking me for speaking up because they simply didn't have the perspective. They had never been given that perspective. They had never been challenged to think outside of their little box. They had never even been exposed to certain things. And so, you know, me just speaking up is a form of activism, letting them know like, Hey, like, I know that your world looks like this, but here's how my world looks. And yep. this is why this is happening. You know what I mean? So yeah. I would and because we're such a segregated society, um, I think that that's been the challenge all along, or one of the many, let's say. Um, and we talked about this, how, you know, we are kind of one generation into being like, you know, really comfortable in this. Mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't even say comfort, comfortable, more populated in like, like a corporate environment yes. or integrated workspaces. Yes. We're like one, one to two generations into that. Right. So, you know, for all of these years, like America has been segregated long since, you know, the 50s and the 60s. Exactly. Um, if you just look around, like, you know, typically we tend to be tribal and to, to move in to be around those who are most like us. Mm-hmm. And so we oftentimes either haven't been in close proximity enough to people to have these conversations to to change minds or change perspectives but also you know corporate america is great at making people to come making people conform yeah and there's always like that language that they guise us under which is like oh is this person a fit for our corporate culture yes which we all know that what that means and that's not even racial like that just basically means this is what we about to do right are you here for the cause if not you can kick rocks but I feel like where black people oftentimes get caught up in that is when we actually try to come up with a, a thought or idea that is unpopular to the corporate culture, which oftentimes is a byproduct of white supremacy um, and white agendas, it looks like we're going against corporate culture or it looks mm. like we're inappropriately 
bucking corporate culture. And sometimes it puts us at risk. Nobody wants to, excuse my French, but shit where they eat. Right. And so, you know, we just want to be able to get this good paycheck and keep it moving forward. And it is hard mm -hmm. to speak out at your place of work. And so, you know, again, that is a form of activism to be able to step up and say, hey, look, this is how it either affects the people who work here or whatever community we're serving. Um, we oftentimes are overlooking the black community or minority communities, multicultural marketing and things like this. These are new. Yeah. So, but it took somebody willing to, to sacrifice their paycheck mm -hmm. to stand up and say, look, this is what it is. And I've been involved in those conversations and I'll tell you what, they are uncomfortable. I'm not an HR. I've been involved in them from someone in marketing who just cares enough to diversify my organization and they're not comfortable. Um, and, and, and that's another thing I want to mention is activism is not going to be comfortable. No. <laughs> uh, I love the fact that people are going out and protesting right now. I think it's amazing because one part of activism is gaining awareness and making yes. sure people see what's going on. But mm -hmm. true activism does not feel good. No. It doesn't feel like 150 likes on, well, that's probably low for, especially, the, I don't care about likes, but it doesn't feel like 1,000 likes <laughs> on your IG picture. You right, know, right, whatever, right. Whatever gets your heart going. Yeah. It feels like, really challenging something where people are going to push back on you. Push back. And where you may be uncomfortable. You may have butterflies in your stomach. You may be so nervous doing this. That's what activism really feels like. And this is no diss to protesters or people that are going out and taking a picture um, because I love it. I love seeing it and it's raising awareness. But true activism, whether or not it's on your job or all these other lanes that we mentioned, is not going to feel comfortable. At all. I mean, and, and I mean, that, period. To like, even to that point, even for the protesters, like, you know, I feel like it's exhilarating rating like like there's a even me thinking about getting out and joining a protest my mm -hmm. heart races you know mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. what could happen you know what i mean like because there's the stakes are high the stakes are high yep. in any form of activism the stakes are yep. high you are at risk for being beaten or uh yep. trampled or run over like my sister got trampled in ohio in columbus yep. lost her phone trampled over you know those are those are risks that you take and it, it's not comfortable because because it's not the status quo but uh -huh. you know uh -huh. one of the one of the one of the quotes that I say and I, all the time is you can't grow in the status quo. You just can't. Oh, I like that, Vic. You can't. It's like you if you stand with the system in the status quo. I mean, just think about Stepford Wives. Everything was the same. So who when you deviate, of course you deviate from that little that path or whatever looks different. People gonna automatically buck think you're going crazy uh -huh. and they're not going to back you and so it is it is not comfortable i love that you said that just like i said i mentioned that too um you know on a couple of my cor corporate calls at work you know i told them like this is a conditioning you know of course you had to deal with like a bunch of people who are now apologetic for you know things that they are just coming to realize right so they're like i'm so sorry that i my mindset was wrong and i'm so sorry that i, I never realized these things i never saw it this way you know i feel so bad and i'm like listen i had to make the point to them like dismantling again systematic racism is not something that's going to happen overnight because it wasn't set up overnight right it's an ideology that needs to be completely reformed that includes the conditioning of your mind. I said, but when you think about conditioning, and I told them this, I said, I've, I've been, you know, trying to lose weight my whole entire adult life. And that requires conditioning. That requires an, a daily concentrated effort on the decisions that I'm going to make, what I'm going to eat that day, what I'm going to drink that day, how long, if, I, if I'm going to exercise, how long I'm going to exercise, what type of exercise am I going to do? This shit's not comfortable. Okay, it's not comfortable at all. It is called conditioning for a reason. So yes, you're going to be uncomfortable. 
you're going to be tired. I'm exhausted. We're all exhausted. You're going to get tired. But in order for you to really, really change your mindset and the conditioning of your mind, you're going to have to constantly make a conscious effort every single day to like not be racist or to not uh-huh. do racist things or to not feed into a racist society. So, yeah. you know, you're going to have people who who join the fight, so to speak, or who, you know, who will join arms with us, but they're going to get tired. They're going to get lazy. They're going to fall off. You know, and so like you said, activism is not something that's comfortable. Like, we got to keep this shit going and it's not going to feel good all the time. You're going to get tired and you, which is why black joy is so important. Uh (laughs) Which is why Uh celebration Uh is so important. Even at work, you know, I work in organizational development and part of my job is to maintain, like, I like to say, my department at work, we are considered the culture keepers, or, or you know, um, because we're the ones who are going to make sure that it's well-rounded. Like, yes, you need uh-huh. to develop developmental plans for people to do well in their positions and to meet these metrics and goals, but you also need to celebrate their successes. Like, there needs uh-huh. to be a time for that. There needs to be a time for correction when you're like, okay, you're getting off track here. Let's go ahead and correct this. Like, all of that is necessary. All of it is necessary in order to function well. And, um, and not to like brag or anything, but it's also another reason why I just started my own consulting business um, and called the the company culture consultant because that's my whole goal is to go in and impact these these cultures of these organizations and companies that have been operating in, in or been told that they have to operate a certain way in order to look you know professional or be professional or to sell themselves when. In order for you, like, you have a lot of companies who say that they want to, you know, be more diverse or they want to be, you know, they they claim to have a culture that's like fun and fun environment to work in or everybody wants to work here. But like, when you really look at your culture, like, there are so many layers to that that contributes to whether or not your culture is actually that that's conclusive or inclusive. They love that inclusive word. You know, we're inclusive and we're diverse. But like, look at your company culture, how you operate just in general like even with little things down as uh, small things as as, uh like dress codes you know those little things that are like imposed on people to keep a certain look how is that actually impacting your business or the work that you do and Uh how is relaxing your culture not even relaxing it but how is it just being open you know to other like you said cultures and other ways of life or like even the way i wear my hair or if i want to wear jeans every day like how is that actually impacting my work you know uh-huh, what I mean? Like, uh-huh. is that really making a difference or is it that yep. you feel comfortable in this little box? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, it, yep. like, that, like even redefining the whole term professionalism. Yeah, yeah. What's that, that Definitely. Mean? I mean, because it does marginalize so many different people and different it does. personality types. And um, there was a quote I used to always use talking about this issue in corporate, which, you know, diversity drives innovation. Because we always have to have the conversation, not from the perspective of, you know, oh, do these people fit within the corporate culture? But it's like, yes, you have a corporate culture, but also you're trying to sell product to so many different people. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you have enough folks behind the scenes that are going to be able to help come up with the diverse thoughts and ideas to drive innovation? And again, that's that's even extended beyond just race. Like, are you hiring from the same schools over and over again mm-hmm. that are teaching people the same things? So how are you going to come up with anything new? And as a result, how will you survive in this market? Hmm. So, no, these are all all great points. I do want to hit on what you mentioned about the Beyonce topic. I think that, um, you know, uh, activism in, in entertainment mm. is an interesting topic that keeps mm. coming up. You know, I know that 
you are a woman of many talents, but one of those are, I mean, gosh, what do you not do, Vic? But, <laughs> you know, acting and singing is one of those things. Like, what do you think about the platform of entertainers? And do they have a responsibility? Do they not have a responsibility? Did they sign up for this job? Mm, I, you know, I, this is a very interesting topic to me because I, for one, do, um, I, 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 I do think that there is a certain level of responsibility however maybe not necessarily responsibility okay I just feel like because of the scrutiny that comes with being like in the limelight right you just have to be really aware of whatever you put out or whatever you do or don't say so and when whatever you do or don't say you just have to be ready to deal with the scrutiny because Granted, you have a right to think how you want to think. You have a right to feel how you want to feel. But you just got to be ready for the scrutiny and the, you know, whatever comes with it. Whether you're preaching good news or, or, or not. So, like, I, for one, don't like when people are like, well, where's... Uh, like, everybody was trying to, like... Um, come up against um uh what's his name j cole and and kendrick lamar and i'm like where they at where, where i don't see where they boy where's their statement at like why are you so hell-bent on a statement from somebody just because they're famous like especially when their whole track record has proven how they feel about a certain topic or their music talks about how they feel about a certain topic but not only that it's like why are they why are you look why are you looking for a savior like is this your king like why are you looking for a savior why do you need somebody to who's who's you know in that particular limelight to agree or disagree with you like that shouldn't validate you in my opinion like whoever you choose to be a fan of whatever be a fan of them and if you choose not to be a fan of them because of something they say or do or something they don't say or do that's your business but why are we expecting them who are those people who are also human to be our like representation so to speak like I get it because those people are in the limelight and in a sense it is like oh well you signed up for it not necessarily that you signed up for it because you still have a right to to have your opinion about things but just be ready for it like it, okay if, if you disagree whether you agree disagree say something asinine or you say something that's supportive just be ready for whatever scrutiny you're gonna get so no I don't think that they necessarily have a responsibility per se I just think you just know what's expected anything could happen at any point but I don't think that people need to like we the, the basic regular v-list population <laughs> need to have an expectation per se of these people if that makes sense yeah. no I, I totally agree with you I don't I think that and I think that that's kind of what I think is really important about oh what happened hold on something happened to her my audio oh can you hear me Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, I wonder why this, your volume went down, sorry. Yeah, I noticed that, I should have said that, but it, it sounds better now. Okay, hold on. Okay, go ahead. Okay, um, but yeah, no, I totally agree, and I think that that is where we need to start reshaping what we think about as activism. So you said something earlier that I think is really important, that this is going to be a marathon fight, mm-hmm. not a sprint. And so, and I totally don't want it to sound like I'm disrespecting protesting, I, I think that's important, it's powerful, but I think oftentimes with just thinking about that singular activity as being the only way to speak out, it's what does, even for those who want to be activists, it's, it's what does keep our stamina low. Like, if you think that this is one act of solidarity and being out speaking is the only thing that it takes, then we're wrong. And four or five months from now, we won't be talking about it, we won't be doing all these things, 
all these black businesses that are trying to be set up or whatever these initiatives are, they won't have anybody who is tuning in and actually showing up to be a part of carrying the movement forward. So I think in general, you know, going back to artists and just anyone, if you find your lane and figure out what area of black life you want to be an activist in and you do it from your heart, then I think that's the only way that it can be sustainable. That's the only way that you can actually commit to a cause that you can carry forward long term. And if music is that platform, if you're an entertainer, like the fact that Beyonce obviously has gotten here. Um, Beyonce has gotten to the point, and I don't know everything she's doing, but I'll say, you know, two things that three things I really respect. One is the fact that she's used her platform and her power to say when she walked into a room and what was it, Reebok, the meeting that she had, and mm-hmm. she looked around and there were no black people there, and she said, I'm taking my black but over elsewhere, Mm -hmm. um, that is, I think, a a platform that when you get to a certain point, that even though you're an entertainer, if you have power, use your power for the good. If that isn't what what is in your heart to do. And I feel like that is, to me, a form of activism. Oh, yeah. Being able to use your music as a platform, like, for example, with I love, like, how Homecoming has so much Black history webbed into it. And the fact, again, that our history has been attacked. There's so many of things we don't, we don't really recognize our history sometimes or some of the things that she was pulling out and pulling and putting in her performance were things that at their time may not have been able to take off. Like she had, you know, the scene from The Wiz. I mm. love The Wiz. Mm-hmm. But at the time The Wiz came out, you know, it, it, it's a black success story, but like it actually wasn't even a profitable movie. I mean, it's something we hold near and dear, but a lot of people don't know about The Wiz. Right. So, you know, the fact that she was able to pull that history into her music and into her art form to me is a form of activist and then you know to the point of what you're talking about with the song that she just released releasing a song that's going to create a benefit for what's going on with black people like she don't have to be out in the street that's right. a protest exactly so you know it, it's the thing where i feel like to your point we don't always if if, it, if you're an artist and you're a hood artist and, and you're you know you're talking about getting this money and that is truly in your heart what you believe that you want to talk about and you are not connected to this cause at all and I shouldn't just say hood artists but you know what I mean if you're not connected to this cause at all don't try to automatically act like you're connected to it right but if you really are and you want to use your connection to this cause within that lane of, of art that's great that is a part of activism absolutely and I feel like it has to be genuine it has to be sincere and some people are still just trying to stew over what should I be doing but to try to force J. Cole to be um, you know, a public spokesperson like a Jesse Jackson, that may not be his lane. Exactly. So let him figure out his lane and then, you know, represent how he's going to work within the movement, you know, with, with within the lane that he chooses. Yeah. Well, Nia, our time is, is, is coming to a close, but uh, this has been great. I definitely think that there's so much more we can unpack with this conversation and this topic, and we definitely will probably need to do a part two because there's just so many so many other things we could talk about but basically um I, I think the point is that there are so many different ways to be to become a part of this fight uh and to be an activist and that it does not all look the same um you know we can find your lane and stick in it whatever whatever way you are fighting or bucking the system do that you know be careful doing it uh understand that it's not going to be comfortable i love that you said that it's not going to be a comfortable thing um but you know yeah whatever you could do to buck the system but also educate yourself like really learn about what it is we're fighting for because i also realize there's a lot of people like you said who don't really understand because our history obviously hasn't been taught to them they they weren't really our history hasn't been taught 
even to some of our own people. So they don't get it. They don't understand why, you know, why we are loud or why we're bucking the system. So first do your part in educating yourself and understanding what is happening, why you are marginalized if you're a person of color, especially a black person, and and then figure out ways to change that, um, whatever way, whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like for you, do it. Um, but I love this conversation. I loved having you Thank on the V list. Real Can quick, I add one more thing to that, that little yeah, point list. Yeah, yeah. One other thing I will say in addition to everything Victoria just said is. Also, don't get mad at other black people if they haven't followed the lane that you are walking in. Yes. So we don't all have to be doing the same thing. And just because someone is showing up in a certain way doesn't mean that they're not showing up. So, no, we're not all going to be behind um, defund the police or buy up the block or all these other things. But if you're behind it and you got a critical mass of 15 people, celebrate them. Yes. Stop trying to tear down everybody else who ain't showing up because we are allowed to be a monolith. And we're allowed to subscribe to different agendas within the black community. Absolutely. 